Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. And of course, wherever you get your videos, your podcasts, you stream your online content, we appreciate you subscribing, liking, telling all your friends about the show, and listening and watching as well. We are presented, as always, by the wonderful taste of Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And... We're joined, as always, on my left by the one and only Allie Trost. Allie, how are you? I'm well, Nate. How are you? You're going with a nice pink I denim know. jacket I, today. That is... I was feeling the spring vibes. Uh, Tim Melia, we had some media availab- availability today. He had on like, a nice little mint. I was mm-hmm. like, we look like a couple of Easter mm-hmm. eggs out here. I don't know. I I thought about it today, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm looking at the buttons here because is that... Uh, is that Levi's? Is that Levi's? It's not Levi's. Because it looks almost exactly like the jean jacket I had. Not pink, but the, <laughs> the design and everything in 1987 in sixth grade at Arc City Middle School. It's amazing to me how things come back around, you know, whatever, yeah. you know. No, well, I, I was thinking about it also this morning just to tie it uh, back to some soccer. This is more pink than Inter Miami is committing to with some yeah. of their. Mm-hmm. And so. if you're going to go pink, you got to go pink, right? Yeah, you go pink or go home. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Don't half step into the <laughs> pink. That's, no, that's you got to commit. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. And on my right, not dressed in pink today, Jacob <laughs> Peterson, uh, but he does have a smart sport in Kansas City uh, zip up on. So how are you today, buddy? I'm good. Uh, I'm I'm glad to be back here. Um, Connell did a great job. I listened to the show. He's great as always. And, and my grandma though texted my parents, and I think it was on the phone. <laughs> and she said, "Hey, what's what's wrong with Jacob? He hasn't been on the show for yeah. a couple of weeks." So, Grandma, I'm back. All is good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, grandmas are the best. That's important. You know, whenever I miss a show or anything, I'll immediately get a text message from my mom. Are you sick today? Is everything okay? <laughs> so, yes, you're good. You, and you were you were not sick. You've just been busy. You're a busy guy these days. Yeah, it's it's just been a busy busy time here here out uh, at the training center. And w- one of those days, my daughter was sick, so I I was. You know, doing the dad life thing. So uh, does it make you nervous at all that Connell is actually right behind the camera over there in a penny running up and down the sideline right now? He's got to stay warm. Yeah. Uh, I get it. He, he was excellent. He's I, always, I know that role as a super right. sub for <laughs> right. a lot of my career. Yeah. I, I yeah. respect that role. So are there, that just makes me think of something all of a sudden. Are there any tactics you feel like you can employ when you are one of those subs? We always see the whole crew go down there, and they're warming up in front of the cones and everything by the corner flag. Do you try to do anything to get the coach's attention, you know, or anything like that? Or is it just if you warm up in a certain way, you got a better chance of coming in? No, I actually found the opposite. I feel like if I am, like, <laughs> eager and, like, look looking over like yeah. this, then I won't go in. No no. So chance. I just don't even focus on what they're doing. Yeah. And I heard you guys talking about it. I am definitely a warm-up top for the warm-up and then a fresh new jersey before you get in the game. I, so I got to say, I heard. Yeah. Shame on you, me for not need, asking it need this. To be, yeah. It needs to be yeah. crisp. It needs okay. to be clean right before yeah. you go in the game. You feel good. Because yeah. like you're are, like you're breaking a little bit of a sweat during the warmups. Yeah, of course. Like, well, you should be. Okay. <laughs> well, I, like, does I don't any know. does anybody go jersey during warmups? That's that's an I don't know that anybody does. Do they? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So okay, does you don't feel like it's costing you any time though? You know, getting the jersey on right before it's like they're. You're, How long does it take you to put on? A I shirt? don't know. Sometimes <laughs> I look over there and oh. I feel like these guys are like. Taking something off, something, wait for somebody to hand it to them. You know, it seems to me like it takes a little while. It usually depends how much urgency is behind the substitution. <laughs> like some of them that I see happening yeah. down there, it's like really quickly, it's like snap, 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 yeah. you know, trying to get the, yeah. and then the guy's like, you know. That's the only time I notice, like there's really an injured quick. guy, you're playing down yeah. a man. It's like, hey, this guy's over here putting his jersey on. Come on, let's go. That's all. 
Yeah. Well, Robert Volader knew about that this weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was speaking of substitutions. He had to get on quickly, didn't he? Um, all right. So your jersey, your jersey off. You go with the uh, the warm up and then switch to the jersey on. Okay, that's good to know. And it's because you just want to feel good. Yeah. And, and of course, like. These guys get paid to work out, so it's yeah. nice to take your shirt off in public. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, I respect the ever-living heck out of that right there. It's like the guys that hike up their shorts and practice now. You know, uh, you used to see Polito would do that a lot. Dom was always good about that. And I'm th- I'm here for it because, yeah, like you – you don't get a body like that, like just sitting on the couch watching games the way that I no. do, you know? So <laughs> well, if you work that hard for the body, you want everybody to get a glimpse. It's part of the show for some of the guys, too. One of my favorite stories from last year, we were on the road in Dallas, and the flight attendants who were on our flight down to the game, I think, got tickets to the match. And so when we were traveling back home later that night, one of the flight attendants comes on, like, the little speaker and, and is like, you know, great game tonight, guys. Like, it was a big win. I forget what the, the final scoreline was. And she was like, and we especially really enjoyed the the short shorts of number nine out there or something <laughs> like that. And I think it's like on, like someone got it recorded, like one of the, the video uh, team people. So all that to say, uh, the fans enjoy it as yeah, well. Yeah, give them a show. <laughs> did, you, did you go sh- – I don't remember you being short, short guy, though. Uh, later on, Dom. Later on, I mean, you know, Dom. Yeah. Dom's my roommate, so of yeah. course he rubbed off. <laughs> it is funny though, like how much when you look at like just the the uniforms of the past, like the baggy, oversized, like mm-hmm. I, how much faster could players have been if it was if the technology as we know it to be now with how you know the kits are are made is you know just being so much better well they they slowly had had grown longer the shorts and now they're coming all the way back up so we'll see if they get back to 80s nba basketball style here i hope not that could be a little too revealing i don't know we'll see how that goes uh coming up on the show we got off on a little tangent there coming up on the show we're going to talk with courtney ford and there is a wardrobe question i want to ask him about because kit man was on social media uh going back and forth with courtney about his holy socks and so i do want to ask courtney about that but more importantly uh, mls team of the week yeah a defender courtney ford who had a terrific game helping sporting kansas city get a shutout against uh now i'm all, all of a sudden columbus i'm already crew. blanking against the columbus crew I, I was thinking of the other yellow team i almost said nashville <laughs> against columbus this past weekend so courtney's going to come on the show with us we have so much to talk about with him and of course we will talk about this game against columbus and look forward to the first of a few games against FC Dallas coming up this weekend. So uh, we got that all coming up on the show for you. Let's get to this past weekend, guys. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, nil. Columbus Crew, nil. Uh, I want to start on the positive side, which is the shutout part. Um, we'll get to the, the, to the part about not creating enough chances and all that in a moment. But, Jacob, I'll start with you because Courtney Ford comes in to start the game. And then when Nicholas Isimat Mirin comes out because of the head injury, and now we know a broken uh, facial bone um, and surgery, and he's replaced by another young player in Robert Volader, and they go out and they help Sporting Kansas City get a clean sheet. As you looked back on the game, what were some of your biggest takeaways from the way Sporting Kansas City played defensively on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think that that's for a team like Sporting who are still trying to figure things out, right, especially going forward. The one thing that you can control, and I, I disagree a little bit with Peter, but when he says, hey, it doesn't take too much, he said, talent uh, to defend. Defending's hard, and it's more, though, a mindset, and I'm going to be hard to break down, which if it was easy, everybody could do it. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he's right, maybe it's not a talent, but it, it is a special type of mindset. Courtney Ford has that. He is a 
defender first. And that's something that I thought he was excellent in that game all around. I have all these stats, which, you know, it's something, though, as a defender at home, he was 19, and there's different websites out there, so some of these change, but 19 of 24 in his duels won. 7 of 11 in his aerials won. 9 of 9 in his, this is the most important thing, 100% in his defensive duels won. That, to wow. me, means that he was making it hard uh, on the opposing attackers. 3 for 3 in his slide tackles, and then he's 3 for 4 in his loose ball duels, those German duels, those kind of like 50-50s, who's going to get there. He was immediately there on the spot. So I think that he was a huge positive because now that EC is going to be gone for yeah. – you know, we'll see, but it's not going to be uh, he's not going to be back next week or in two weeks. You know, it's going to it's going to be a thing here. Courtney's going to have to step up and he's going to have to play like he did there because he was excellent. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why he made team of the week. But I also thought Robbie Willardair came in there, did really well. That's a tough spot, yeah. especially as a center back. Right. Because you're not expecting, hey, I'm going to go in early in this game. You're probably not even thinking you're going to go into the game. Right. And, and it took him a little while, but he was still good. Ninety percent passing. He set up that, that Remy penalty shout that should have still. I, I can't mm-hmm. fathom how that wasn't a penalty. And he was also 4-for-4 four four in his defensive duels. And, and the most important thing for defenders is to defend. And I thought both Logan and Dembe and Graham Zussi were good in those moments. And if those that back four, I mean, Tim Melia didn't really have to do much in mm-hmm. that game. I think if those back four or whoever it, it, it is back there, if they're hard to break down, then it gives Sporting to some – some time to at least work on creating chances. But I thought that was the positive. Defensively, they were excellent. Yeah, well, and especially, too, considering, I mean, we've seen a lot of rotation so far this season, but not really at the center back position. We, we've seen them go out with a different formation with the three center backs, but for the most part, it's been Andrea Fontas and Nicholas Sissimat Marin the whole way. And so seeing uh, Courtney Ford come in and Robert Volader come in and play the way that they did, especially considering the injury now to Nicholas Sissimat Marin, I think gives – me confidence I'm sure gives the fan base confidence too that hey they've got some really good center back depth and like you said if Courtney Ford now that he's going to be called upon with this injury to Issy if he can play like that I mean Peter was talking all last week about a stronger defensive mentality I those stats and even just the eye test would tell you he had that mentality in that game so I'm with you huge positive uh with the team that I, I mean guys I thought this was wild nine formations or nine different lineups in nine games the only team who's played nine games to have that much rotation um and you you just want to feel confident in that depth and I think defensively there's a lot of confidence that can be taken from those performances but like you said now it's just figuring out the other piece of the puzzle which is going forward but if you if you don't concede any goals you got a chance to to walk away with the results so that should you know be a big positive step for the team moving forward and that's why in the offseason right Sporting Kansas City went out and signed some veteran or, or even just I mean Courtney's 26 yeah. and, and Robbie's obviously a U22 signing but they're both have experience mm-hmm. and, and that's why you go out you add depth pieces who you're comfortable throwing in there because Andre Fontas was my defender of the year last year I, I thought he was excellent so you still have him there even with EC's injury he'll be back eventually but that's why you go out and, and acquire those type of players so let me uh, let me let me have a little bit of a moment for a rant um, or at least some questions, some pointed Can questions. Can I crack one of these open? Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe because we're talking about the injury to Nicholas Isimot meeting that happens early in the game. Um, Jacob, if I walk up to you in a soccer game and I give you a little gentle slap to the side of the face, what happens to me? Red. 
Red card, straight red card, I'm out of the game, right? The reason is we're, we protect the head. The head injuries are a massive uh, priority in sports in general, but particularly in sports like American football and soccer where head injuries happen on a consistent basis. Why is it if I go up for a header and win the ball and you go up for that same header and you're late and you miss the ball and you crack me in the side of the head with your forehead, it's nothing. Is that, I mean, is that a, I don't know. What's, I, I don't have an answer. I, yeah, I, I mean, you, you laid out it, it. It probably should be. Um, but it's not called. I, 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 don't, I don't know why. I hear people I, I say all why. the time, well, it's a coming together. If, I'm, if, you tack, if you kick a ball on the ground and I'm late and I go into the side of your leg with my studs, even if I was trying to make a play on the ball, there is at least a yellow card, if not a straight red card for that, right? Yeah. Am I more likely to give someone a concussion and a fractured face if I slap them gently on the side of the face or if I headbutt them running at full speed? I just, I mean, and I understand one is an intentional non-football or soccer action and one's a soccer action, but we punish soccer actions that endanger players all the time. I'm baffled by it. And is there, does there need to be a conversation about that or is that just me griping because, because one of our guys got hurt in the process? I don't have I don't have a good answer. I really yeah. don't. I, I agree. Everything you said makes complete sense. It's just not how it's officiated. So yeah, maybe maybe we do have to have a yeah. bigger conversation. Yeah, because like a lot of work's that. been done on you know not punishing teams like the concussion sub. They take the the right. evaluation of these things a lot more seriously. But I'm with you in that. I, I'd be curious to see like how and and I don't know. You'd have to look at a bunch of other games to see like how there are in. A, in, uh, inconsistencies in officiating with these types of, of moments in the game. But they have at least made a lot of steps forward in protecting players from the evaluation standpoint and also protecting teams to where the team's not getting punished for a player that goes down with a head injury. I mean, I just I, – I spend so much time watching football just like every other American mm-hmm. does. And it took me a while, I'll admit, as an old-school football fan to understand why certain hits in the National Football League are now – punishable and sometimes even by ejection that used to be applauded as terrific football plays back in the day and sometimes you see a guy get punished for one of those hits and you go what was he even supposed to do he was trying to hit it the right way and the guy changed his level and it turned into a head-to-head not intentionally and he still gets thrown out and the NFL's reasoning is we want guys to actively look to avoid those hits not just uh, do we want them to not do it? We want them to, to be conscious of it at all times. And I'm thinking to myself, God, we watch – how many times do we watch guys bonk heads yeah, I mean, in soccer lot. games? I, I think it's hard to know, like, in some cases, not every case, but, like, the intention there. Because, like, for the most part, as long as both players look like they're going for the ball, like, there are a lot of, of – fouls in soccer that happened where it was very clear the guy was not at all going right. for the ball and those typically hopefully a, a card is shown but again if i slide into you with my studs up halfway up your leg even if i'm going for the ball i still yeah. get thrown out of the game right our intention shouldn't necessarily I mean, factor into it right like recklessness is 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 a is a part of the game too and i just wonder if that shouldn't be something i mean if we're really serious about head injuries being a major problem in the game and we want to address them, why do we allow that play to happen? 
And I, I just, you know, anyways, that's going right, to be my new thing. Well, instead no. of asking us. Okay. I'm going to take to Twitter. Howard Webb. Or yeah, I'll who, call Howard Webb. Call yeah. I'll, do, I'll do what I can. Okay, now let's get to the other part of the story here before we take a break. And the other side of it is, you and I were talking about this after the game, Jacob. You look at the stat sheet, and you see three shots by Sporting Kansas City and an expected goals of 0.3. That just doesn't happen at Children's Murder. I don't know the last time I saw a game like that. Maybe there was one this year. I don't know. But I, 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 it just it stood out to me so much. Now, look, a couple of those shots were really good opportunities. Um, the one for Kyrie Shelton was a really good opportunity in the first half. Shallow, we had a pretty decent chance in the second half. There should have been a penalty in the first half. We all agree on that. But still, th- that's not what we're used to seeing from Sporting KC. So how do they get this thing going still? It's still kind of a work in progress from the attacking side of things. Well, that's a million-dollar question, right? Yeah, I think yeah. everybody here, whether it's the the staff or the players, that's what everybody's trying to figure out. Um, because no, it's not. It's absolutely not good enough. And every single player or coach will say three shots. It doesn't matter how those could be. You could score three goals off of those three mm-hmm. shots. It's still not enough. That yeah. that's absolutely not enough. Everybody knows that. Yes, and, and even Sporting 100% should have had a penalty. Remy Voltaire was fouled, clearly should have been. But even if you take that out, there's still just – there wasn't enough chance creation at, at all. And it was a little bit stagnant. Stagnant. I was a little surprised after the rain delay. Sporting did say, all right, hey, we got 15 minutes. Let's throw everything that, that we have. And it, it's not like the guys aren't trying. They, they certainly are out there. Um, but sometimes you can get in, in these ruts where it's just how do we get out? We can't really figure it out. Uh, you know, is it is it – new life for players coming in just how well Courtney and Robbie did when they were thrown back at there is it you know new guys stepping up you know I don't know because you know that Johnny Russell can score mm-hmm. you know that Daniel Shallowy can score and I think we're still trying to figure out who's going to be that that number nine right now and with Gotti Keened out obviously you know there is a, a lack of creativity, and yeah. that's something that that everybody recognizes and everybody's working on. Well, and something that we would always talk about, you know, like last year, especially when they did have um, more of those players available, and I'm including Polito in this as well. You'd be you'd have situations where the team's going forward, and it's putting the opposing defense under pressure because they're like, who do we pick up here? It's hard to to make sure every guy is covered. But right now, Sporting's main threats. Daniel Shalley and Johnny Russell, I mean, you shut them down and, and they just haven't maybe had as much going up the middle and, and in terms of, hey, we've got a lot of numbers in the box right now and all of them are equally dangerous. You can't really um, pay more attention to one than the other because they'll just hurt you that way. And they just haven't maybe had um, that danger factor uh, in the attack this year. And it's just kind of been that missing piece. And the nine different lineups? That doesn't help, right? Right, right. right. That Having continuity. To, to, it, it's almost just that connection, right, from the mm-hmm. back line to the mm-hmm. front line. And when it's constantly in flux, it, it's mm-hmm. hard. I Especially mean, soccer, in the midfield. I mean, we've seen so many changes and, and, you know, flipping the, you know, inverted triangle and, and all the things that have just, I think, like you said, played into uh, the struggles up top. And, and Peter Vermees talked today during his media availability on Tuesday, just he's like, look, my track record, you know, I, I'm a, a coach who has had a lot of success with that continuity and finding that consistency. And they're, they're still looking for that right now. Um, but it's also at the same time, a big opportunity for a lot of guys. And I think that's going to be the, the thing to look for in the next couple of weeks is who really kind of takes hold of that. Courtney Ford, I think showed it this last game that 
hey, he's up for the opportunity, and if he can put a consistent run of games together where he plays like he did against Columbus Crew in a Team of the Week performance, then uh, you're going to have a lot of good competition in these different position groups. It just a lot of times through the course of the games this year where I feel like you see something a little promising start to, 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 to come, and then before it can really catch hold, one pass is just a step off, you know, and, and maybe that is what you're talking about. It's just as if that chemistry is there and these guys have had enough time to work together, that pass hits in Dembe right in stride as he's going up the field instead of going out of bounds for a throw-in. And those might not seem like huge moments in the course of a game, but if it happens five or six times, that could be two or three times that turn into chances as they develop more chemistry as the season goes on. Hopefully that's going to be the case for sure for Sporting Kansas City. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from one of those bright spots, Courtney Ford, man, did he have a game. MLS Team of the Week and really just a chance to talk to him about a lot that's happened for him since coming to Kansas City. That's straight ahead on the Sporting Kansas City Show. As devoted Sporting KC fans, we know you travel well to support your club and its boys in blue. So before you travel to the next away game or anywhere for that matter, check out Kansas City International Airport's new terminal progress at buildkci.com. And we are back on the Sporting Kansas City show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you stream your video content. We appreciate you listening, subscribing, liking, telling all your friends about it. Please do. And, and also tell them about Michelob Ultra because they're the presenting sponsor. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. We are joined now by a current member of the MLS Team of the Week. Courtney Ford, defender for Sporting Kansas City. We already laid it all out with Jacob Peterson in the last segment. Statistically, he had all the numbers that tell you why it was such a good performance. But I think that if you watched the game yourself, you don't even need the numbers because you saw this man all over the field. Courtney, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, what what what's your reaction to winning that award and just also maybe the way you felt you played in that game on Saturday? Yeah, I think, you know, right after the game, I was kind of still in the moment, um, took a bit of time to kind of reflect, watch the game back, and, um, you know, just kind of see. I was pleased with the performance. I just, you know, was prepared for the game. I was waiting for the opportunity for a long time just to get out there and, and show what I'm still made of. Um, so it was just awesome to get out there and be able to do what I've been thinking about and envisioning for the past few months. How did you find out about Team of the Week? Who told you? Where were you? Um, I was actually in the pool. I was here um, in the pool doing workouts, and it was just like random. It just popped up, and my family started going crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, um, but yeah, that's how I found out. That's awesome. So you uh, you mentioned that you've been waiting to get this opportunity. Uh, when did you start? So I know sometimes guys start to get a sense maybe in training if you're wearing the, the right colored penny that you might be in there. When did you start to get the sense that this start might be coming? Um, I think it's a little bit longer process than that. Um, you know, from a week-to-week standpoint, you know, you have to be ready mentally. But I've, I've been picturing that moment um, and taking advantage of the opportunity for a long time. You know, it starts with a long injury, um, you know, two and a half, three years out and – you know, that last season with the Colorado Rapids, I felt like I was physically ready, I was fit, and just didn't really get an opportunity to, to showcase myself. So, um, you know, I, it's one of those things that, you know, I might not be really proud of. It's one of my flaws, but I am petty, and I, I like to prove people wrong. So I think that that's really where the inspiration comes from, and just that being in the back of my head going forward and just ready to take the opportunity when it came. So would you say that that is 
like your main driver then like in, when you're in those moments in the game and like like are, is that on your mind like how does that how does that kind of manifest itself in in those real time moments yeah i mean first of all i'm i'm very confident i'm aware um of what you know i'm good at and where i need to work at and i take pride in in my abilities and i take pride that i the work that i put in you know i i stay after training long hours working grinding so with that side of things, I know that I'm prepared. So from a mental side of things, those are the things that drive me right. It's, you know, the the noise off the pitch in the back that kind of drive me. Um, just every single game, you know, every time I step onto the pitch, I want to prove people wrong. So um, it wasn't an easy, you know, two, three years to, to go without playing, but that's ultimately like really morphed me into the person I am today. We talked a little bit about perspective and we'll get into more of, of your life perspective, but what perspective did you gain from that experience? And I can get a sense of just how hard that was on you, feeling like you were ready and not getting the opportunity. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. Um, it's been a long journey, but the perspective has been, you know, from so many different aspects. Um, the first one I'd say, you know, I came into the league and I had a very good rookie year. Um, you know, it was kind of surreal. You know, you're 20 years old, you sign, you know, hometown somewhat everybody knows you I'm on billboards on buses and as a 20 year old 21 year old you know you have a big head you're <laughs> like I made it I made it and then you go through something a very humbling experience with the injury and it really you know puts perspective back into you it's like well everything can be gone just like that and I snap my finger so it's every time I step onto the field I'm grateful you know I'm very grateful and I play every game like it's going to be my last game because at the end of the day it could be so um, it's just the whole the whole journey itself um, has put really put things into perspective for me, and it's just sort of the way that my my mindset is. So <laughs> when I was uh, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster since I was in sixth grade, and my first day on campus in college, I go to meet my sportscasting professor, and he tells me, "Your voice is too high. You're never going to make it." And that is something. Obviously, 25 years later, I st I'm never going to forget that, right? right. And it's funny because a lot of people say, you know, I, I, I'll bet you love being able to go back to him. And, and I'm not saying I made it, but I have a job, at least in this business. You know, I've, right. I've done it for a few years now. And and I the thing is, to me, it's it's twofold. Number one, yeah, I want to prove him and anybody else that said I couldn't do it wrong. But part of it is somebody telling you that you you don't have what it takes. For me, it's been like, a well, I'm just going to have to outwork everybody then. And and I'm actually grateful for the people that said some of those things to me because I've never had the misunderstanding that I could just get by on my talent because I was always told I wasn't talented enough. Right. Does that is that part of it at all for you? Just the fact that like, well, you know what? I'll show you. I'll outwork you. I'll you know I'll work until it's until I'm the one that's here starting. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you know in this job in particular, there's a lot of different things that you have to balance to make sure that you're performing. Um, and it's not just from a physical aspect. A lot of it has to do with the mental aspect. And for me, the one thing I've learned is to mentally be prepared. I have to be able to work outwork everybody else. If I can outwork everybody else, and I'm you know putting time into my body, I'm doing the proper treatment, I'm eating right, have a good diet, staying after trainings, lifting, coming in on off days, then that aspect is taken care of. Those are the things that are, I'm in control of, right? So if I'm not stressing about am I being the best version of myself as a pro mm -hmm. athlete, then my mentality is right because everything else is uncontrollable. So it's kind of it's kind of one of those things that, you know, I check these boxes off. I, I'm very compartmentalized. And 
it's just like an everyday approach. And I feel like if I can do everything that's in my control, the rest of it will take care of itself. So what did what did your game day then look like leading up to the game? You know what, do you, what do you you know you're you're in the starting lineup. Uh, Love the game day fit by the way. Always <laughs> fire you. flames. Um, but no, just like what you know now that you kind of went through what you check off during the week. So then you wake up on game day. What does the day look like for Courtney Ford? Yeah, it's very different when you're home than when you're away. Um, but it kind of starts a couple days before, you know, the the night before you got to make sure that you get your carbs in. Uh, it really means a lot to have a good meal, get good sleep. Uh, that's why I have the aura ring, you know, tracks your sleep, tracks your activity. Um, but I put a lot of time and focus and energy, energy into making sure that my sleep is good. Um, so that's the first thing. And then you wake up and you just start chugging water, you know, <laughs> um, just chugging water, making sure that you take care of your body. And then the rest of the day, you kind of want to relax and, and, you know, might take a power nap, which is literally 30 minutes max. You don't want to oversleep and get fatigued. But for me personally, I like to, you know, wake up, drink water, put on a show and then take a power nap. And then as soon as I wake up, you know, have a meal four hours prior to the game um, and then just start kind of flipping the switch, Um, whether that's, you know, sitting on the couch, relaxing on the way to the stadium you name it, but there's got to be some kind of mental switch that you, you tune off and switch from, you know, real life reality, all the stressors that are going out outside of soccer just to only be prepared for the soccer game itself. Okay, so I need some pointers on this sleep thing. <laughs> I, got the I think power, you need one of these rings, I know. Mate. I got the power nap thing down. I can do that like a champ, but but I have all kinds of sleep-related issues, and I'm, I'm trying to do this, like, headspace meditation app thing now to calm right. myself down. But you said you put a lot of focus on getting a good night's sleep, and the problem I find myself with a lot of times is the more pressure I put on myself to get good sleep, the more anxiety I have about how I'm not getting enough sleep, and then I can't <laughs> sleep because I'm thinking about how I can't sleep. Right. So how do you do it? Like, what, what do you, where do, how do I get myself in the mind space like you where I can uh, make sure that I get quality sleep at night? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because the first week I had the exact same reaction. You know, I was thinking about it too much and I was actually giving myself more anxiety and I couldn't sleep. But the first week of the first week of wearing this ring, of wearing the aura ring where I was tracking my sleep, you know, paying attention because this breaks down everything. It breaks down the amount of REM sleep you have, deep sleep, light sleep, when you're going into those cycles. Yeah. Um, And it kind of, you know, puts together basically an algorithm of, of what time you need to be going to sleep you know, what time you should be eating your meals. So that's what I kind of mean. You know, I, I'm very okay. aware of when I have my meal prior to sleeping, you know, the, the hour that I need to go to bed in that gives me the most, you know, best chance of having efficient sleep. Um, and then a lot of it has to do with, you know, supplements, you know, magnesium's a good one that makes me personally tired. That's also good for my muscles. So I make sure to take magnesium before sleep. Z12 is another one. So you just kind of kind of have to figure out how your body works. Um, I think one of the things that was interesting is the earlier I tried to go to sleep, I was getting worse sleep. I yeah. was, it wasn't very efficient. And then I started to notice, you know, when you go to sleep in your sleep schedule, which is about, you know, 1030 to 11 p.m., and I'm getting around seven, seven and a half hours, I actually get very good sleep. So everybody's body's different. Um, but I think that's a cool thing about this aura ring is that you can, you know, figure it out by, by looking at those stats. So you plug that thing into a computer as it talks to a computer and, and then it gives you all the information you need. Is that how that works? There's an app that goes along with it. Uh-huh. Um, and it basically every morning and same with your activity and, and whatnot, it just gives you a full report. You can open up the app on your phone, whatever you want. So next cool. time you see him, Nate's going to have one of these. I know. Right? Yeah, I think you need one. Are you getting an endorsement deal? For I know. This I was like, I'm actually, I'm going to clip this out. We're going to send this if you're over. With, <laughs> right? What company? 
company makes it? Is it a, is it like made by a, like Apple or you know? Anybody I don't like that? think so. Okay. It's called Aura. I think it's O U R A. Not sure. Not sure. I, I I know it's not an Apple product, but I'm okay. sure it's only a matter of time before they buy yeah, out, buy right? out the yeah. rights. Right. Seriously. If you're if you're with Aura and I you're know. looking for a spokesperson, got right he's got me here. sold right now. I know. I'm Nate's gonna, try gonna to get do that sleep. after uh, after, <laughs> after the show. Seriously, right. I got because I got to get up. My problem is I got to get up at like 4:30 in the morning for my job, and it's like. By the time I get the kids to bed and everything, it's, you know, 1030 and I start all of a sudden I start calculating how little sleep I'm going to get. Right. And that's like the worst thing I could possibly do. I don't do. know so how then, you do it. You know, that's so. stressful in itself. I really yeah. Don't. Yeah. I, yeah. Gotta, I was I like accidentally awake at four in this morning and, and I, I literally <laughs> thought I was like, man, the Border Patrol guys are <laughs> alarms are going hey. off here in just a moment. Hey, uh, we all got our things to deal yeah. with, though, you know, so. But Courtney, I want to talk about. Being back in KC, being with sporting, uh, something that you said after the game on Saturday kind of kind of stuck with me because Robert Volder goes into the match four minutes in after EC goes down, and you said, you know, that's kind of your guy during the week in training. Like you guys train a lot together, so you felt like that chemistry was there and also mentioned how one thing you love about this team is that from top down, like, there's just really good chemistry. And, and I was in Arizona with you for preseason for about 10 days or so, and you just – seamlessly really seemed to fit in with this group so what was I guess that transition like and it it, it appeared to be really easy for you but just kind of I yeah. guess more insight into that yeah I think it just goes to to show the quality of the leadership on this team um you know we have a, a lot of veterans on the team Johnny Zussi Roger Tim they all take pride in you know really bringing guys in and and you can tell it really shows because I made a very easy transition into the team and you know, I've mentioned it a few times, but on most teams, there's like six or seven different cliques. You know, four guys hang out here, three guys hang out here. And, and it's not necessarily unhealthy, but it's it's tough to, you know, have that chemistry, you know, on the field and, and off the field. But with this team, you know, when we were going out to team meals, there's like 16, 17 guys. Everybody's together. Everybody's getting to know each other. And it really, you know, shows in the locker room. And I think sometimes... It's a little bit more difficult because we're all friends. We're all really close. So sometimes it's it's difficult to lay into each other in training. So I think that's that's something we as a team we've really been focused on the past couple of weeks is you know kind of balancing that those relationships. Um, just because we're so close off the field that we need to feel more comfortable pushing each other in training and kind of laying into each other, knowing that it's not personal. Uh, but long story short, it just has to do with the leadership of the group. So I remember uh, being a broadcaster for Sporting Kansas City when you came to town with Colorado to go back to that time you talked about. You made your, your MLS debut uh, here in Kansas City. What was your perception of Kansas City, the, the team, the club, this club? Um, or did you even spend much time thinking about it when you're a young player? You're, maybe you're just worried about your own career. What was your perception of this place from the other side? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's always somewhere I wanted to be. You know, I grew up going to Kansas City Wizards games, Arrowhead Stadium, and, you know, as a kid, as a young kid, when you're you're drawing pictures in class, second, third grade, you know, it's it's that image, right? So um, the perception from, from that point of view was always that's where I want to be, you know. But when it came down to it and signing um, a homegrown deal in Colorado, um, I knew that, you know, that might be an opportunity later on in my career, but not anytime soon. But it was always a team that I really respected. Um, you know, everybody that's close to me knows that I actually really admired Peter's style of coaching. I think he's he's a tough coach to play for. He's hard. He demands a lot. And I personally tend to do well under coaches of, of that of that regard. So 
Um, I've always kind of looked up to playing for him someday. And, you know, when the opportunity presented itself this this offseason when I was a free agent, um, I, I just wanted to jump on the opportunity. There was a couple other teams that were interested, um, but I knew coming back and sort of, you know, getting the opportunity to do what I had dreamed of as a kid was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. So you mentioned being a big Wizards fan growing up. And uh, did you watch Peter? Do you remember watching Peter? I, I know uh, that may have been. As a young kid, a not so much. Young. Not so much. I, you know, you have like specific memories here and there. And, you know, there was a, a maybe two or three specific memories that, that stand out. And one was like the mascot. Like the <laughs> the dinosaur, yes. you know, at the point, um, yeah, you, you know, you're very tailored to kids, by the right, way. Right, exactly. You're a kid. You watch those things. The other ones was like the fireworks after the games. Love that. And then the last one, actually, a player that I got to play with, uh, Kai Kamara. I just remember him being, you know, so into the game, so emotional, um, so aggressive and mentally in tune. It was actually, you know, full circle. You know, going, getting to watch. Watch him play as a kid, you know, just right in front of me, and then getting the opportunity to play with him when he got traded to Colorado. So, playing for Peter now, is there anything about his coaching style or your interactions with him that you didn't expect or that surprised you a little bit in terms of what your perspective was or perception was of him uh, before you got here? Uh, yeah, I think you know from from an outsider's view, you know, he he's kind of known as you know the hard ass, the one of the toughest coaches mm-hmm. to play for in the league, and. And I, the, what I see as a person from him is, you know, he, he's thinking 10 steps ahead of everybody else, you know. So if he's a hard ass in, in a certain circumstance, he really has like a plan behind it, you know. I think the, the thing that surprised me most is he really has an idea, a separate plan for each individual player. And he has to figure out a way to manage whatever that role is, that envision that he has for that player and make sure that it, you know, benefits the team at the same time. So... It's very impressive to see um, how he thinks and how many steps ahead of the game he is. And I think it's 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 been difficult for him, you know, trying to manage, you know, starting lineups and whatnot when guys are, you know, hurt, injured, in the, in the lineup, out of the lineup. So it's been tough, but it's been such a pleasure getting a chance to play for him this far. Is, uh, is coaching – you're young, you got a long career ahead of you. Is coaching ever something that you've thought about? Is, is something down the road you'd be interested in doing? Mm, I don't really think so. I think maybe more of like a, a GM side of things. Like I like the overarching, like, you know, business side of it. Um, even, you know, the, the politics of it, you know, it's very intriguing, very interesting. And so maybe not hands-on coach, <laughs> but um, I do I do see myself being able to, to get into it after soccer. So one of the things that also came up during the course of the game the other day was – I look on social media and people are commenting that you've got holes in your socks. Right. And uh, and then Kitman got involved. He tweets <laughs> something about it. You're tweeting at him about it. Um, can you explain for us why you have holes? Holy socks is, is what I think, uh, you know, uh, Kitman referred to him as. Yeah, so um, long story short, early on in my career, um, I struggled with calf cramps. And we tried everything in the book from, you know, Pedialyte to pickle juice to doing urine analysis and, it just really broke down to the fact that my, you know, my calves cramp and we sort of found out that it doesn't necessarily, they don't necessarily do well with compression. So, um, you know, I stretch those socks out as much as I can and I cut holes in them to relieve pressure of the calf. So, um, I, I see those comments as well and, and it's kind of funny. It's definitely not a fashion statement, nor would, um, nor would the team have any problem giving me new socks if I had real holes in my right. socks. But no, those are, 
Those are definitely self-inflicted. Are, are you cutting them, or are you or is like Kitman no, or Sammy doing it? No, I, I cut them. So you know they give us new socks for every game, and you know I stretch them out, put them on, and then I literally feel where they're tight, and you know I just nick small holes in them that you know eventually grow to be a little bit bigger by the time I get out down the field, but. Uh, there's a lot, lot of, lot more thought that goes into yeah. it than people may realize. That's funny because you know you see like you see people wear compression stuff all the time now, whether basketball players are wearing the tights or the, you know shooting sleeves, all that stuff. And you're going opposite route. Maybe yeah. people are too too caught up in the compression things these days. You know, I think everybody's bodies are different. You yeah. know, it took me a long time to realize that my body didn't do well with it. It actually. I, the, the reason I found out is, you know, with the, the fluid in my knee, you know, they would always say, oh, put a compression sleeve on, put a compression sleeve on. And after a year of doing it, they found out that, you know, the fluid would speed, the fluid process sped up every single time I had the compression on. Oh, wow. Um, so it's kind of one of those things where you live and you learn. But um, long story short, everybody's bodies are different, you know. Yeah. So 90% of the population could do better with popu- uh, with compression, but it's just not the way that my body works, so. I had a, another soccer-related question because I was thinking about this watching the game on Saturday. Uh, I know Colorado under Rapp and Frazier, you know, they've played that three-center back system. Even with Peter Vermees this year in, in some formation changes, you were playing as a you know one of three center backs playing in a two-center back pairing this last game. Do you have a preference in, in terms of stylistically, like what you prefer? Uh, I mean, personally, I like playing in a back three. I think it allows, you know, the center backs to be a lot more aggressive. And, you know, I'd like to think of myself, you know, as more of the athletic style player. So I like being able to get up and down. You have to be a little bit more conservative when you're playing in a back four. Obviously, you have two defenders instead of three. Um, but at the end of the day, like, that's part of our jobs. You know, yeah. we have to be able to to bring in, learn new tactics and be able to implement them. And if you can't, then, you know, you're not going to be successful in your career. So I, ha- I have just as much fun, um, you know, worrying about the, the tactical side of things and being able to apply them when I get to the game, playing in a back four. Um, but I do think that it's a little bit more fun playing in a back three just because I get to, you know, step in a little bit harder. Well, Courtney, we got a lot of other things that would be fun to cover with you, so we're just gonna have to have you come on the show again. Sometime, I know, yeah. you know, because uh, because we're gonna run out of time here. But I do want to say this, you know, as we wrap things up here, uh, you talked about your respect for Peter Vermees. I'm never gonna forget when they had the Zoom conference announcing you as a player here, and I know I asked you about this that day. He said that uh, that he has a special place in his heart for players who have been through some things. And uh, you've been su- through some things, you know, as we all know now, off the field with your family and on the field with your knee and working your way back. And um, and I know what Peter's talking about there when he says that because a person who's been through some things has a different perspective on things and a different sense of urgency about things and all that. And um, and, and I think we, s- we see that from you already. We can see the intensity there that you're here to, to maximize every single minute. And that makes you a really easy guy to root for. And I think the people in this town are really excited to have you back and hoping the best things for you. So thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And we're going to have to, you know, have you on. I might have to have you cut some holes in my sock sometime, <laughs> see how it works. Nate's like taking yeah. all the notes. He's yeah. like, okay, I need this R ring. I need to cut holes in hey. my socks. Hey, man, I can learn. I, I might be an old fart with gray hair, but I can learn from people, you know. Hey, Courtney, thanks a lot for the time, seriously, and best of luck going forward. Yeah, thank thanks, you. Courtney. Thank you, guys. All right, that's Courtney it. Ford. We're going to take a break, and we'll wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show right after this, presented by Michelob Ultra. 
And we're back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810, WHB, and wherever you get your podcasts and stream your video content and enjoy yourself a Michelob Ultra while we wrap this one up as it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Allie, a great conversation with Courtney Ford. Now time for us to move forward. We only have a couple of minutes left to talk about this FC Dallas game. And right now, FC Dallas looks like a pretty salty team in the Western Conference. Yeah, they're flying. Fourth place right now in the Mm -hmm. West. I mean, how strange is it, by the way, that so many of the teams above the playoff line right now in the West completely missed out on the playoffs last season? It really has been such a shift in terms of what teams are playing really well right now and are very competitive right now versus the teams that aren't definitely not, I think, what a lot of us expected. Uh, But they're a dangerous team. Um, they just won the the little Texas Derby there against Houston, and that was the first time I think they won it since 2020. Um, it it's going to be a really tough matchup, and Sporting doesn't just get to see them this weekend; they get to see them then again ten days later in the Open Cup. Um, they've got a lot of threats; they're really deep up top, and Jesus Ferrer has been flying five goals and an assist for them this season. So it's going to be another big test for Sporting. But like we talked about early in the show with Jacob, while the team you know is still working towards getting that that piece of the puzzle in the final third figured out, they can control the defensive side of the game and and hopefully get another clean sheet or, or play really strong and tough uh, defensively in this game because they're, they're going to need to. It, both goals that, that Dallas scored in that win over Houston came from second-half subs. It, it's not a team that is going to – only be able to to bring it to you for you know a certain number of minutes. That's going to be a tough full ninety minutes that you're going to have to to be ready in defending all of their attacking threats. And when you talk about that inversion of the table from last year to this year, Sporting obviously are a part of that. You know, a team that was at the top of the standings last year and not so right now. Um, it does remind me that this there are some things that Major League Soccer, when they set the league up, got right, like the NFL, which is. You know, it's it's, it's from a lot of parity. To, yeah, there's a lot of parity, and the margin between being good and bad is not very big. And if you're down one year, you can turn it around real quickly the next. And we're seeing with Texas. And another thing is, in the NFL, if you get a star player like Patrick Mahomes, they make it. They make it no matter what market you're in, to where you can keep that guy around. Well, for FC Dallas, they've been selling all their best young players over to Europe, and some of that's not really by choice. You just kind of have to. But they didn't with Jesus Ferreira. They signed him to a designated player deal. And I'm wondering if that might not start a trend of some homegrown players signing big-time contracts to stay here. Certainly there's always going to be some guys yeah. going to Europe. But I wonder if that might be a trend at all with, uh, with, with what they did with Jesus Ferreira. Yeah, it is interesting. And, I mean, it's – it's work. I mean, if we're looking at it from the player standpoint, like it's working out for him, right? He's getting that exposure. He's he's putting mm-hmm. up the numbers. And he's getting uh, looks on the national team. And he's getting team. looks on the national team. So I, I think the goal for a lot of players is eventually to go to Europe. And it, it's really just about making sure, because like, there are arguments that can be made. I, I know Josh Sargent's a player where a lot of people talk about, well, maybe did, did he go a little too soon? Could he have mm-hmm. had a stop in MLS where he could have maybe developed a bit more and before making that jump? So it, it's so different from player to player, but I, I think it's – a big positive for some of these teams and for the league as a whole to see a player like Jesus Ferreira sign that deal, have this kind of success, not just um, for FC Dallas, but also for the national team as well. Uh, it, it's We talk about it all the time. The next five to ten years in Major League Soccer are going to be fascinating uh, just given how much that aspect of the game here in the United States has grown, That develop those developmental leagues and how they're developing players to not just, um, you know, come in and, and be MLS level talent, but 
world talent and and you're seeing that a lot more but it, it's just going to be really fascinating to watch it's really exciting it's gonna be a good matchup with uh, sporting kansas city taking on fc dallas on saturday 7 30 at children's mercy park pregame coverage at seven o'clock on the sporting kc app sportingkc.com slash live 38 the spot and sports radio 810 whb and we might have some missouri tigers in the house. Allie's very excited about that. Hey, I'm excited about it too. Well, let's go. Let's have everybody in, involved. And that's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll see you on Saturday. Our thanks to Courtney Ford and Jacob Peterson for joining us on the show today as well. We're presented by Michelob Ultra, and we'll see you next time on the Sporting Kansas City Show.